Welcome to Celebrate Cultivate, a podcast about celebrating the good in life and cultivating more of what you want. I'm your host, Kayleen Elise. My intention is to offer deep breaths and ideas for appreciating the magic in everyday life. I'm here to help you listen to your intuition, trust your inner wisdom, and act with inspiration. Let's get to it. Hello, and welcome back to Celebrate Cultivate. I'm coming to you from my maternity leave with a few of the best episodes from the show. Today, we're going back to season two, episode 28, with an interview with my coach, mentor, and friend, Emma Natter, on finding clarity in your heart story. Listen as we talk about rituals, careers, motherhood, and creativity. During our conversation, Emma shares her process of using a single memory to find clarity and purpose in your work and life, which is what the heart story is. I've spent all of 2021 as a member of Emma's group coaching program called The Order, which has been an amazing source of support and inspiration for my business. Emma is now launching the Emma Natter School of Creative Entrepreneurship, which is a holistic and wholehearted program for those wanting to create the income you desire, become the person you want to be, and do the work that you feel called to do. If our conversation sparks any interest in working with Emma or joining the School of Creative Entrepreneurship, visit emmanatter.com. And of course, feel free to reach out to me directly with any questions. The first fall term of her school begins on September 7th. So now is the perfect time to explore and sign up if you're interested. When you join, you might just see me there. So let's go to the episode. Hello, friends. Welcome back to another episode in my series of conversations with people I admire and adore. We're talking about the magic in everyday life, what we're celebrating, cultivating, changing, and creating, which just feels like the perfect set of topics for this season. Today, I have with me Emma Natter. Emma is the creator of The Heart Story and founder of The Aesthetic Way. She intersects entrepreneurial strategies with history and the arts in order to help people find fulfillment and success in their careers. Her approach and overall vibe is totally unique and resonates with me deeply. You know those people who share online and you think to yourself, I want to hang out with her. That's how I feel about Emma. I'm totally enamored. I'm currently a student in her course, The Aesthetic Way, which I highly recommend if you have a creative business and need help finding alignment within your brand. I also did some one-on-one coaching with Emma last month that helped me gain clarity on my life's purpose in the most magical way. Emma is a mama of three with a wide range of creative interests. I'm really inspired by her, and she's definitely one of my career expanders. I love that she's helping people build businesses and lives that are aligned with their souls. And I also really appreciate that she wants to add more beauty to the world because we all need that right now. So Emma, welcome to Celebrate Cultivate. 
Oh my gosh, you're like making me cry. That was the most beautiful intro ever. <laughs> I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> Yay! Well, it comes from the heart and it's totally true. I just know I have like very specific memories of like scrolling Instagram and finding one of your IGTVs. And then I went on sabbatical over the summer. And so I wasn't on Instagram for a full month, but I was still subscribed to your emails. And I got a few of your emails and I was like, oh, I don't feel like I've missed what Emma's sharing because she's still meeting me where I am. And so as I've followed your work and gotten to know you more. I'm just so thrilled and excited to be kind of interacting with you and exposed to what you're doing because I love how you seem to be taking a lot of different elements of who you are and the world that you live in and how you see the world and presenting it in a way that really makes sense to me. And I know I'm not the only one that feels that way. Yeah, thank you so much. It's um, It's been a journey. And so it's really fun to find people who resonate with this. And it, you know, it, I think all of us approach our work from a place where we're like, I wish that this were here. I wish, I wish the world had this. And so, because it's not there yet, sometimes it can feel a little bit like, how do I do this? So it makes me feel, I don't know, hearing that feedback and finding you and having you in my community just um, means a lot. Great. Well, Yay. Okay. Let's get into it. Can you start by telling us more about the heart story and why it's such a key element of the work that you do? Yes. So, um, definitely. So the heart story is basically where my success started. Um, I had been trying to make my business work for a year and nothing was working. Um, and then a good friend of mine, Emily Jones from the gatherist. She's this incredible stylist and wedding planner. Um, I was asking her questions because I was getting ready to do a branding shoot and I could not figure out how to make it cohesive. And she had done one so well. And so I asked her, how did you know how to do this? How did you know which forks to choose and which plates and what kind of things to put on the menu? Like, how did you know what was going to be the best thing? And she just said, you have to find something that inspires you. And she talked about drawing from a single point of inspiration with her grandmother. And I kind of took that and went nuts with it and was like, I think my entire business should be built from one single point of inspiration. And so I found a memory that really inspired me and I started building from there. And I created a brand that people really connected with because it really felt super authentic. And then I was like, you know, I, I should share this heart story thing with other people. And I just started doing it. And it's been kind of this big snowball over the last few years, working with more and more people and having my program that you talked about, The Aesthetic Way, which is all built on the heart story. Um, everything starts from there. Um, and so, yeah, that's a little bit about that. <laughs> that's great. So in one of the parts of the heart story that I really thought was magical is that you kind of just settle into finding the story. Like it almost finds you in a way. Can you talk a little bit about that with inspiration? Like, how do you think one person identifies like the thing to tie so much to? Yeah. You know, I've, that's been, it's interesting that you asked that because there's 
different processes that I've used to help people get there. So one, I think it's really fascinating that there's not just one way to get there. Um, when I first started teaching it, um, I would tell my heart story to people and then I would just kind of ask them if anything came to mind that they wanted to be their heart story. And oftentimes people would just find it. It would just come to them. You know, they would hear the way that I was talking about what I was talking about. And they felt, and mine is about, you know, this about pilgrimage when I was in Southern France with my husband. Um, and whenever I talk about that, like, I just feel so, it, it feels so life-giving to me. And they would hear that and feel that passion and that life-giving energy. And they'd find something that felt like that for them. Um, so that's one way that I've helped people find it. Another way is um, that I've really been digging into recently is that I realized that some people feel they don't always feel confident in their choice. They'll second guess themselves. And often they'll say, oh, this is kind of a stupid one. Or um, this doesn't seem important enough. And so that's been something that I've been walking people through lately is um, kind of speaking to the unconscious mind. And so that's more like, uh, I'll give a prompt and I say, um, ask your unconscious mind to find a memory that matches this, you know? And so then when we do that, that process, then we can kind of help get your whole mind on board. Cause that that's where sometimes people feel a little bit lost is that they're like, oh, I'm deciding between three different stories. And I'm like, you know what? All you need to do is you just need to believe this. If you believe this, if you believe, if your unconscious mind believes this, then your conscious mind can get on board with it <laughs> and your whole soul can get on board with it. And that's really all that matters. It doesn't matter if it's a cool story. Um, and to be honest, I've never heard a heart story that hasn't given me chills and made me feel like, oh my gosh, yes, we need more of this in the world. So yeah, it's interesting to me though, back to your question that there's different ways that people can, can find this. And I think that's just a testament to the creative process that there's so many different, there's so many different avenues to find those breakthroughs and, and those to be in flow, I guess. As you were talking, it was making me think of falling in love. Like there's many different ways to find a person who you can love. And some people, you know, it's love at first sight. And some people have arranged marriages. And there's a really long list of potential possibilities of how you would meet somebody. And you know it when you know it. And But sometimes you might second guess it. You might be like, is this the right person? Is this the right one? And sometimes people stay in our lives for our entire lives and other times they, you know, you might have a love and then lose it for some reason. And so I think that's the other thing with the heart story that I've tried to embrace is it, it may be forever and it may not be forever. And either, either thing is fine, but to just, just trust where I am right now and trust that it's the heart story for me right now. And I'm just going to love it fully because I don't know how long it'll last. Oh, I love that so much. That comparison really resonates with me because I feel like it is that feeling of passion or whatever it feels like to you and like some commitment happening there. Um, and, and, 
yeah, when I was getting married, I was like, huh, like what, what if something happens and we don't stay together? And it's like at that point, yeah, you can't know the answer before you start. So then it's like, well, do I want to be with you tomorrow and the next day and the next day? And as far as I can see from now, yeah, let's go for it. It, it feels really similar in that way to me too. Yeah. Like at the end of the day, you do kind of have to say like, let's go for it. And trust. (laughs) And I think what I've learned from my small experience with my heart story is that like my heart story is going to be there for me too. It's going to show me things and it's going to support me. So it isn't just this like one-sided thing where I'm like, I picked this, but it kind of picked me and it's and it. There's an important reason why it feels so good in my heart. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And that it's unique to you that even if you even if your business and your work and whatever else you do with your heart story, even if on the outside, it looks similar to other people, whether it's coaching or whatever you decide to do with your work, you know, it feels, it's going to feel different than anybody else. I am curious how you've been able to like take a memory in life and then say, let's apply it to business and running your whole business <laughs> with this one memory, which yours is about pilgrimage. Mine is about a retreat that I hosted and a group of women. So like, okay, you have this like beautiful memory that makes you feel good. I'm on board with that. But then how do you apply it to bookkeeping and like your Instagram feed and all of that? Like, how does that work? And how did you decide that you wanted to, like you said, you went a little crazy with it, but like how? Yeah. I mean, I would have to attribute that to my training, um, as an English major and then a creative writing student (laughs) is that I, I realized that I really see the heart story as like this text. And so if you go into Shakespeare class and you're looking at the text, as long as you can back up anything, you can decide it means anything you want. And so that's really what a heart story feels like. It's, it feels like this, it, to me, pilgrimage is part of my heart story. So bringing in um, sort of the mystical or the sacred is just makes sense to me. So it, for each person, it feels like a sacred text. You know, it's a sacred text. It's a glimpse into what this specific person finds most important in life, um, where they feel purposeful, where they feel like this is, this is what truly matters. And to me, it feels like it's the anti-personality test. (laughs) You know, it's instead of coming from the outside in and then saying like, well, that means you're like this and this and this and this. It's like, well, let's let each person decide what they're all about. Let's go from there and see what they find important and what they think truly matters. And we'll, you know, that can be sort of like the seed that we plant. So yeah, it can be a little, I honestly think that it can go whatever way that you want it to. And you can make a compelling argument for anything I'm, I'm in you know, and, and I go with my gut a lot too. And the people that I work with, you know, every time we kind of like, I was working with a client a few weeks ago with their heart story. And I was like, Oh, your story is about going to a basketball game. And they came from behind. And like, like, are you all about like the redemption and the redemptive story? Like you're a, you know, you're a Bishop for your church. So that means you're like all about redemption. And he was just like, 
no, that doesn't feel aligned. That's not what it's about. It was about escaping to a place that I really wanted to be. And so that's really important too, is every time, you know, I'll kind of bring up ideas and bring up ways that I might interpret it because that's what I do for work. And they might say, yes, that's it. Or no, that's not quite it. And so that's kind of how it's really this intuitive process where you can decide, yeah, you could interpret it like that, but that's not what feels right. That's not how that, that's not aligned with how that felt. Um, Anyway, so when you go from there into business, you know, where I find the most interest for me is in communicating a message and really being able to create something. And so um, that's how I really like to take, that's how I like to take the heart story. You know, I don't really know how to apply it to bookkeeping for me. I'm just sort of like, that's a neutral thing. I get that it has to happen. <laughs> so like <laughs> bookkeepers, like help me with this so that I can continue on in my flow, which is over here in creating and communicating and spreading the word about what we're doing. But um, I don't know, like a specific example. Well, maybe we should talk about yours. Okay. We could talk about a fun way that we could do that, that you're doing that, or if we could, if you have more questions or something. Yeah. Well, one of the things that I asked you recently is that, like, how do you know when to get help? And I think I've been trying to like use my heart story to help guide me on that. But maybe it's like one of those neutral things that I might have to just decide on my own. So one of the things I've been, I'm working on a website relaunch and I'm kind of shifting gears in my coaching practice. And I feel like there's just like so much piled on my plate right now that I'm like, maybe I need to get somebody to help me with writing, or maybe I need to get, you know, a coach or somebody to help me brainstorm programs. And so I've been kind of like, okay, heart story, like let's hang out and (laughs) come up with the solution here. And my heart story is like, well, did you bring a glass of wine? Like my heart story just wants to hang out. (laughs) And I'm like, maybe you're not my coach heart story. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you know, it's a text, so you can take it however you want, but mostly what I love to do or what, where I found the most fruitful stuff is that it's like, here's something that's really powerful inside of you. How do we get it out? And so something in in terms of like building a team and stuff, oh man, I have so many opinions about this (laughs) because I feel like when, for example, when I launched the aesthetic way, it went so well that I was just like, okay, like, what do I do now? And like every mentor that I had was just like, build a team and start using paid advertising. And I wish so badly that I could go back to that moment and say, no, let's really master your messaging. And let's make sure that, you know, you are a master at what you're doing and that you have, you know, fully sort of embodied everything that you're teaching. Because sometimes I feel like when you do something that's in flow and I feel like the aesthetic way was such an inflow experience for me, um, you know, I sort of didn't understand why everything worked. I didn't really understand what was going on. I just knew it worked and I knew it had to get out there. And I felt so passionate about that. And um, 
I was like, the more time I'm wasting doing this, the less people are going to be helped. Um, and plus I cannot be on coaching calls nine hours a day. I have got to get some, (laughs) I have got to learn how to scale this a little bit. So I, I put it out there and hardly anybody could understand what I was doing. The people that I had worked with, once they felt it, they got it. You know, like you, Kayleen, it's like, you feel it, you got it. But that only works in a really intimate group of customers and potential clients and a really niche community who they're like, I know you can't totally explain what you're doing, but I feel what you're doing and I want it. That doesn't work to scale that message. You have to be able to explain what you're doing. You have to be able to, you know, or at least even if you don't totally explain it, even if you can't totally explain it because there is some feeling to it, you have to be able to explain it the best that you can. And you have to get people on board, you know, who maybe, you know, maybe a good option might be to get a bigger name on board who is like, yeah, like I vouch for this process. You may not totally understand it, but it's, it's amazing. You have to try it, you know, things like that. And and it's so frustrating to me because I'm like, that's exactly what my hard story should have taught me. You know, like I, I should have known that, you know, my hard story is about sitting around a table and talking about sacred experiences together. So I should have known that, you know, this is about having conversations with people. This isn't about I got to drive ads and whatever. And so I spent so long being like, oh, I've got to have exactly the right words and I've got to have exactly the right branding. And I've got to have exactly the right website. And then everything's going to click, you know, and really like I'm putting out so much energy trying to make these specific things happen. And I was talking to my coach recently about this and she was like, these are just tools. They're just tools for getting your message out there. And so then it's like, okay, so if my message isn't totally, you know, if there's cracks in my message, it means there's going to be cracks as I try to get the message out with these different tools. So I need to be spending time really cultivating. You know, I don't know how to explain it, but it feels like it's like, I need to be cultivating what's going on inside. And then when, when I, when that's really strong and really powerful, then it doesn't really matter. There's so many tools that I could use. So awesome. Whatever tool I decide to use to, to get the message out. Great. But it's not going to be like getting the copy exactly right. It's not going to be about getting the website exactly right to convert. And I feel like that's what so many people are teaching right now. And so then so many people are frustrated and they're spending so much money on their branding and their copy. And don't get me wrong. Like, I think those are I've spent a lot of money on those and I have a couple of my best friends. We do all those things together and they are so powerful, but we all know, you know, if you don't have what's going on inside figured out, it doesn't matter how much money you spend on copy. It doesn't matter how much money you spend on your brand design. It's not going to work. And like, nobody, nobody, nobody told me that. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Oh, there's so many amazing points that you just made. I mean, I think that we also sometimes, I mean, I just watched The Social Dilemma. Have you seen the documentary Oh my yet? gosh. I want to, but I'm a little bit scared. You so, should so be. Good. It's really, <laughs> yeah, you should be scared. I feel like it was funny because I sat down to watch it and I was on my phone and I'm like, I probably should put my phone down <laughs> while I'm watching a documentary about how these things are addictive. But I mean, everything that you're talking about is 
related, right? Instagram and all of these platforms and everything is a business and it's built in a structure to be addictive and to make you feel like that's the answer that, and even, and even to your point, like spending tons of money and effort and energy on building a plat, a website or having the right copy. Those are tools. Those are things, but it isn't the thing. So it's like having a home, having people over for a party, which someday we will again, someday and <laughs> having like the best things in the party, but just having guests that don't get along or having, you know, like not just not having the cohesive party, but, ha- but it all looks great, but nobody's having fun because nobody oh, knows each other. Parties. Yeah. You're not introducing <laughs> them. Like, it's like, Oh, gorgeous party. We can just look at it, but nothing's happening. And so the same thing can happen in our businesses or in our work or in our lives. It can all look great, but it's not going to feel great because we don't have the inside, right? Like you said. And one of the other things that you were, when you first were talking about how the aesthetic way just kind of flowed out of you and was like a very magical thing that happens, that happens to us. Then what we do is we chase the thing. We chase that instead of spending time in the river. Like we, we yes. like ride down the river. The river's amazing. And we're like, oh my God, this is the best thing ever. And then we get <laughs> to the end. And instead of like hanging out in the river, we're like running we get out around of the on river. the river. We get <laughs> yes. out and we're like, there's another river somewhere. I have to pay for ads to get another river. Where's the next river? And it's like, it's right there. Just go sit and chill and be in it. And so as you were kind of saying that, it made me think like, oh, I just need to get in my river and be in my river and be willing for it to take time. That's, I mean, we're so, we're so eager for things to happen so quickly, but anything that's worth having, I think is worth enjoying. And part of enjoying is like really savoring it and being in it. And the other thing that when you were talking made me think of is just the the value and refinement. Like you, you can spend time in the aesthetic way. And I know you have, and in that you refine and get better and clearer. And those cracks, you start to like patch them and cover over them and it becomes much clearer and it becomes so much more a thing of you and flow versus just flow where you're like, I don't even really get it. It, you you're in it then and you have that refinement and that mastery where it's it's totally yours and it's flows yes yeah I love that so much all of those points <laughs> mm, okay let's talk about rituals and rhythms because I feel like you from what you share online and from what I know of you there's it seems to me that you have some rituals and rhythms. So what do you cultivate in your creative practice as a coach? Like when you come to work, what rituals and rhythms do you use? Yeah, I do. It was a, yeah, I'm going to restart that. (laughs) Um, Something that I've realized when I come to work as a coach is that, you know, this is one of the, it's a, it's not a double-edged sword, but sometimes it feels like that with your heart story is that its whole purpose is to help you do what you're meant to do and to really draw from your purpose, remove all the barriers and get that out there. And so what that also means is that 
you have the potential to have a big impact on people. And so it matters how you show up every day. So if that is my goal is to help people remove barriers to do what they're meant to do and put it out there. And I show up feeling kind of crappy or I show up feeling like things aren't possible or show up feeling like there are barriers for people in being able to be successful. Um, that's going to come out of my coaching and my clients and my students are going to feel like what they want to do isn't possible. And, um, that's not what I want. It's just not what I want. I want people to make decisions based on what they want, not whether they think something is possible or not. Um, and so it's really important for me to stay centered in my purpose and to have a really clear vision like with as many removed barriers as possible. Um, so a couple of the things that I do is I journal every day. Um, so that helps me clear out any weirdness that's kind of crept in overnight or things that have happened. So I journal every morning. Um, and that's something that we kind of talked about in our coaching together, Kayleen, our one-on-one. So I kind of I'll write down the things that are keeping me from feeling like I can accomplish what I'm meant to do. And then it's kind of a spiritual practice with God to kind of clear those out um, and help me see oh, what's, what is next level Emma look like so that I can start embodying that as soon as possible. Um, and then the other thing that I realized too, is that I, I feel my energy going outwards so much towards people, even when they don't even know it anymore. You know, it's like after I've hung up on a client call, I still feel like, ah, I hope that they're still, still doing well. And like, I can feel my energy and like this love and like insecurity probably too, like pushing out towards them. Like, I hope that was okay. And I hope they're doing amazing and whatever else. And so I realized like, you know what? Like I, I spend all this time pushing energy out um, about the things that I care about and which is great. But then also there comes a time where that's time to stop and we need to reorient that energy back towards me. And this, this sort of love that can kind of wash back over me so that I can continue in the work that I need to do. So that's something that I'll just kind of sit and, and, and let that come back. And anything where I'm feeling empty, I'm like, this is my job to wash this energy, this love back over me. This isn't my husband, Michael's job to make me feel okay. This is my job. And that's why I feel all that energy going out is because I actually need that. (laughs) I don't know if that's making any sense. Those are the two big things that I do. No, that's great. (laughs) And I mean, I, I think a lot of the conversations that I've been having anytime somebody is working with other people, it, there is this like energetic check that often needs to happen where it's like, okay, like you said, it's like you were putting it out and out and out. And I mean, part of that's like physiological when you're on a call or you're presenting or you're doing an interview, like your body is like, Hey, we're on, we need to be on and do good. And the body's like, Ugh. and then you turn it off, turn, you know, you finish the thing, whatever it is. And it does take a minute for your body to be like, oh, okay, we're not on anymore. And so the same thing is true of our energy. And I love in the aesthetic way, you talk about a lot of different things in the very beginning about how to care for yourself and how to set yourself up for success. And one of the things you talk about is like putting 
work Emma to bed and (laughs) waking up, you know, family Emma. And I think about that a lot and I've used it with some of my clients because it's true sometimes, especially now with COVID or if you've always worked from home or whatever, but there are less actual things happening in our day that transition us. So a commute is a great transition, leaving Mm -hmm. your office, riding the subway. Those things aren't happening like they used to. And so we've had to implement them ourselves or we haven't done that and we feel gross. And we're like, why do I feel gross? And it's because we just haven't shifted gears enough throughout the day. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's so hard, especially Michael's like, oh, I need help with the kids. And I'm like, oh, I'll be there. So within 30 seconds, I've gone from you know, working on some big project that I'm like, this is going to change the world to being like, I got to change a diaper. And like, my kids want my attention and my mind is still in that place. So yes. Yeah. 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 And then, and then you feel bad because you're like, Oh, I'm not being present for my kids, but it's like totally not your fault. It's not Michael's. It's nobody's fault. It's just that like the time and space continuum is happening at a really (laughs) rapid pace right now. And kids are a funny thing because they don't have a sense of time the way that we do. They haven't developed yet Mm -hmm. and they're not reading the clocks. And so, yeah, my daughter, anytime I go to get a drink of water or anything, she says, mama, are you done working? Yeah. Like, (laughs) yes, me too. Not not yet. (laughs) Not ever. 10 a.m. So (laughs) yeah. Yeah. Well, that brings me to everyday life. Cause I'd love to know if you have any practices that kind of help you stay calm and centered as a mother of three little, little ones and a partner, like what are the things that you do for yourself that aren't work related, but are still rituals? Yeah. So one thing that I recently did that I've been loving is, um, I got, we have an echo dot in our kitchen and I got an echo dot in my, like on my bed stand. And that was like what I really wanted for my birthday is I wanted like a whole bed stand. So now I have a lamp so I can read at night without the gross overhead light that's in our bedroom. And I have an echo dot. And um, anyway, and what was, what I love about it is that now I, my phone is not allowed in my bedroom at night or in the morning. And that's huge. Cause I used to just like watch the office while I was like falling asleep. Cause I'd be like, I'm stressed out. I'm just going to watch the office in bed. <laughs> and so, and I know like, I know enough, like that's not, that's not a good practice. And so my phone charges outside of my room and, um, I have an alarm set on my echo dot every morning. That's from the pride and prejudice soundtrack. <laughs> and then, um, I go work out every morning, but like five minutes before I work out, our echo dot in the kitchen has this ritual set up where it's like, take some time to experience gratitude and to connect with the divine. And then there's like a song that plays for like two and a half minutes where I can just kind of like sink into that. And then after that's over, then she says, um, take some time to visualize your day. Um, start from now and imagine what your day will be. And so then I visualize what my whole day will be. And then she's like, it's time to go work out. Remember this and this and this and this. So it's like, I don't have to think about that stuff. And then I have a nighttime one that's like that too, where it's like, recall back all of your energy that's out there and bring it in. And then she's like, you have some time to read now, if you would like. (laughs) And it's like, and then after 20 minutes, it's like, take some time to write any last thoughts in your journal. And now I'm going to play some relaxing sounds for you. So these are some things that it's like, they're routines that I've wanted to do, but like, I don't like being in charge of them. And so now 
I just, Alexa can just talk me through everything and I can just experience it instead of having to be in charge of it and experience it. I love this. Oh my gosh. Alexa is like your woo concierge, like guiding you through your rituals of the morning and evening. She's like, here, would you like a warm hand towel? Amazing. I love this. That's so cool. Where did you get that idea? Um, my husband, he, he made like, there's all these routines you can set up on Alexa. And so he has a, a cleanup timer for when it's time to clean up. And so there's like music playing and then she has like a countdown and I was like, Whoa, there's all these cool things that you can do to set up a routine. So I really, like we talked about with the transition, I want to make a transition one, um, to go from work back to family. I think that could be really great too. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Oh, I'm so excited. I want to like, it's also sort of like the school bells, like changing periods in high school and it's yes. like the bells are ringing. And so like things are, so you like, to your point, you're not responsible. You're not managing all of it. Like you used your brain to, to put the programs in place. Mm-hmm. And now you can just trust that Alexa is going to take care of you. You get to enjoy the experience Um, and I mean, that's so much of our brains get tired. They think our brains think that they get to be in charge all the time and that's their job. And if they're not in charge, like won't exist, Yes, (laughs) but they also run themselves ragged over and over again. And then, and you can't trust them because they'll tell you that they're going to take you down a beautiful ritual, but then they'll (laughs) be like, actually, didn't you see you were going to buy some new shoes from Nisolo? And you're like, oh, you're right, brain. I was going to do that. And so then you get distracted and you're not writing in your journal. So I love that. Oh, yeah. I like, I feel like you would come up with the most fun rituals for your clients. I, I want to hear yes, <laughs> sometime. <laughs> yes. I love that. Now, like on my intake forms, it's going to be like, do you own an Echo Dot? I need to know. <laughs> yes. We're, we're going to do some things. Oh man. One of the things that you recently told me is that the hardest, one of the hardest things right now is that people have been relying on outside things to tell them who they are and what will make them happy which I totaled that like rang so true because, and and I mean, especially as a coach, but really anything you can just see right now that people want answers. And we all think that the answers live outside of ourselves. So why do you think that is? Why are humans drawn to answers outside of themselves instead of checking in first? Such a good question. I'm like getting chills Um, because I resonate with this so, so much. I I'm honestly, I'm writing a book about it right now, (laughs) Yes, Um, (laughs) but like, I think everybody feels this in different ways, but I feel this so deeply with, um, like who I am and what I'm supposed to do. You know, I feel, I don't even know where it starts, but I know some threads for me. Some threads have been like, I love personality and career aptitude types of tests. So I've taken so many of them and it doesn't matter what I take. Um, n- nobody can pin me down. And what I've had to accept is that it's like, there, there will be none that will do that. That's, we're each a, a, a unique, infinite being. So that's not even possible. And yet, and yet the way that people will talk about it, it's that it's as if you, you know, 
there are the answers to be found there. So, you know, I'll, I'll take tests and it's like, I'm very driven and ambitious, but, and, and so then I look at myself and I'm like, oh, that must mean that I'm also not kind and I'm not compassionate. And I step all over people's toes and I'm insensitive because that's what all the, the all the personality tests will say about somebody who's driven and ambitious. And, you know, I learned that as a child and I was like, oh my gosh, like I'm the bad one. I'm the bad personality. Like, I don't want to be the unkind one. That's a bad one. And so I tried to completely change what my personality was and to be the kind that I thought I was supposed to be. And that was the good one. And so, um, and it's only, you know, within the last few years that I'm like, I am kind and compassionate and, and sensitive and I am also ambitious and driven. And there, I don't know if I've ever seen a personality test that allows those two things to go together. Naturally, they're like, oh, you have to cultivate this. You have to cultivate compassion if you're ambitious. And it's like, I feel both of those so strongly. And I have to stand in that because nobody has told me that that's possible. You know, and, and I think that there's other things where you know, we live in an industrial age. And so we see, oh, this is the way that factories are. And so they take these ingredients and you're able to create this and this and this out of it. And so then it's like, okay, well, what, what am I? And so then it's like, okay, well, what, what, what can I turn into? And so then, especially like, you know, there's this, for millennials right now, it's this big generational problem where nobody's happy with their careers. You know, like I've been, reaching out to different friends and families to just talk to them about this and kind of see where they're at because I've been spending so much time working with business owners that I've been like, you know, people in careers, a lot of them are unhappy too. And every single one person that I talk to, they're just like, yeah, I don't like my job. It's not what I expected it to be. It's not what I felt like I was promised. And it's like, I feel like there's this whole generation and I can only speak for millennials. I feel like as children, we were taught to cultivate the things we were passionate about, the things that we loved, the things that you know, people, people invested in the arts and music and drama and sports, whether or not they were going to do that for their career, they, we were taught to do something we were passionate about, but then also taught that our career needed to be something, you know, that if we were a doctor or a lawyer or whatever, something reliable, something reliable, we would have it all. Mm -hmm. And if you are taught to really cultivate the things that you're interested in and you feel the power of that. And then you're told, oh, but you can't do that for a career. You can be inspired by everybody who does that for a career, but you can't do that for a career. You have to do something that's stable. Of course, nobody's happy with their career right now. And so that's where I like to live is that it's like, I just, I just don't even believe it. I don't believe it. I believe that if you feel something passionately, there's a reason for that. And there's a way that the world needs to see that. And the way that our economic situation can work is that if you're adding value into the world, you can get paid for it. So do you think though, that that kind of sets us up for a trap? Because I've wondered about this personally. I've had, I have lots of interests and hobbies, right? We all do. But with Etsy and Instagram and all these things, it feels like I've feel personally, like it would never be worthwhile for me to play with hand lettering 
if I'm not going to create an Etsy business out of it and monetize it. So what I saw growing up is my mom being crafty and expressing her creativity and being very good with her hands. She did all sorts of stuff. And I could do that stuff, but now I'm like, well, I would rather spend my time honing my craft that I've picked, which is writing and coaching and whatever, podcasting. And so I feel like a lot of people are in a place where if they do want to like play with creativity and play with their passions, they feel like they have to be at a certain level to perform and get paid for it. Yeah. Oh, such a good question. That's a question that I hear a lot. And I don't know if I'm just like so in the middle of it. I think, but I think what you're saying is makes sense. For example, I love to play the piano and we recently got a piano before COVID. (laughs) It was like free. Um, They were just like, come pick it up. And so we picked it up like right before everything shut down. Still needs to be tuned because it sounds awful, but I still have been playing it. Um, I played piano all growing up and I loved getting to express myself through there. I never had an interest in being a professional pianist. And so sometimes it is hard for me to sit down and play just for fun. But I think it's like, I know what I am motivated by. And what I am motivated by is, is, you know, cultivating something that I can put out there and make a difference. And I know now that to do that work takes a lot more than sitting at my computer for eight hours a day and writing. I know that the best work that I can do is actually the best ideas I come up with is when I spend most of my day talking to the people who our conversations can help me find clarity and where I can talk out my ideas because I'm a verbal processor a lot of the time. Um, going on a hike and sitting there and thinking and getting my body moving. And then I spend two hours on my computer getting it all out. You know, like that is a place where I am healthy, where I am, where my mind is in a good place, everything like that. So that includes playing the piano sometimes. It, I think we, we get all, I don't know, we're asking the wrong questions when we're thinking about how do we find balance and how do we find these things? And talking to my friend recently who she was like, I think what you're helping people do is to find unity. And it's not about balance. I'm gonna, and I'm like, yeah, balance feels so like static to me. I don't really care about it. Other people can care about it. And that's great. I just totally support that. It does not resonate with me, but unity does. And so when I'm like, Michael, I don't want to work out in the morning. I don't want to have that gym membership because I need to be working. So I don't have time to go to the gym. And he's like, if you go to the gym, your brain is going to work better. You're going to have better ideas. Your body is going to do all of this so that you can do the work that you want to do. And so, you know, I don't know. I I love drawing and I love watercolor. I would never want to sell that because I don't want people judging that. I want that to be an expressive place for me. I do want to get paid for my writing, but I know that if I'm drawing and I'm painting and I'm playing piano, it's going to help. It's, it's feeding my soul. And if I'm feeding my soul, I'm going to be able to do the work that I'm meant to do because I'm coming at it from such a healthy, such a healthy place instead of coming at it from a place of lack, because I'm like, I can't do anything unless I'm monetizing it. And it's like, well, what if I'm doing 
what I love to do. And because of the fact that I'm loving to do what I do, I come up with these amazing inspired ideas. And, you know, that's just part of my process. That's my process. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really good. And I think one thing that you touched on that's important is like the clarity that you have on your purpose. That alone can help delineate what activities in your day are like really feeding your soul, which your work does, obviously. But I think one of the things that maybe some of us millennials um, get trapped in is not having that clarity first Mm -hmm. and feeling like everything is an opportunity and any passion that you feel is a potential profit. And I don't think that that's necessarily true. It might be true at different phases of your life, but you can only do so much at one time. And so having that clarity of what your purpose is and what you're really wanting and meant to do right now can help you know that like, oh, I'm coloring in a coloring book right now because I like to color and it's good for my brain and it's good for my hands, but I'm not going to like start creating the next coloring book for download on Amazon. Like, I think we sometimes get tricked into thinking that all of it is possible, which it is, but like not all at once. (laughs) Yeah. And it's like, I don't think everybody should be doing it. And we feel pressure that just because you can, you should. And, and I also think that there's so many people that I talk to who don't think that this kind of clarity is possible for them. You know, they've lived in a world where the people around them don't have that clarity and they just are in their jobs because that was what was available. And we were like taught to be well-rounded. We were taught to do all the stuff. Like I, I was a competitive swimmer. It was a humongous part of my life. And I kid you not, there were multiple times where family members said they would throw me a party if I quit swimming and join the band. And it was like, I, you Mm -hmm. couldn't talk me out of it. I had so much clarity. It was the only Mm. thing that I wanted. And I mean, you can't tell me which would have been better. I have no idea, but I wasn't a kid that was in everything. And I feel really passionately that my path was my path for me. Like it was for me. And, but I do think that this idea of being good at everything and like, I mean, we just have so many resources now, right? You can YouTube anything and be pretty decent at whatever. And it's like, that's kind of tricky because it, it makes us think that we can be decent <laughs> yeah. at anything, yeah. which we can, but like, that's not going to be super. Yeah, fulfilling, I, I agree. Don't think. And it's like, there's, you know, for example, like Brene Brown, I love everything that she talks about and everything that she researches. And it's like, if you asked me, like, do you believe in Brene Brown's mission? I'd be like, yes, absolutely. And it kind of like stops there. It's like, yes, read everything that she wrote. But if I were to be like, well, I feel so strongly about that. So shouldn't I also make my mission about vulnerability and shame and speaking to that? And it's like, no, there are specific experiences that Brene Brown has had in her life that she's going to care about it more than I will ever care about it. Even though like I am 100% on board, we need to do this, but I am not the person to be speaking about that. You know, and I believe that Mm -hmm. Every person has their thing, you know? And I think like we've talked about today, I think the heart story helps you find what that is. Like I haven't met a single person where we haven't finished going through it. And they're like, oh my gosh, like, yes, I feel like I'm meant to do that because they don't have those barriers. They can be like, yeah, I don't really know how, but yet, and they'll figure it out. (laughs) But like, I do need to be this person who does this. And you, like, I can do that. Mm-hmm. 
and they can feel it. And it's not just some abstract of, oh, you're good at this. So that means you should be a doctor. It's like, I don't, nobody, I don't care about that. That doesn't work. <laughs> it kind of works, but yeah. what a, what a terrible way to make a decision. We should be making our decisions for what we're going to be spending a huge amount of our lives doing the work that we're doing based on what we want to do and what we feel like we could really make happen and not based on what we should do. Cause if you're doing that, then it's like, it's so easy to just pile on like a whole, you know, I'm imagining like a dump truck, just like dumping a whole bunch more stuff on top of you where it's like, well, here's a hundred ways that other people in your area have also done this really well. So now try to do it like all of them. <laughs> it's like, no, that's not yeah. going to, yeah. you're not going to feel fulfilled. You're not going to have an impact. You're not going to be able to like increase your income that way because you're too busy trying to hold up what everybody else has already done too. So doing it your own way. Yes. And you won't find that fulfillment from trying to do it everybody else's way and trying to do too many things. So I think like having that clarity connects so clearly to that feeling of purpose and fulfillment. And like you are doing a good (laughs) job. Like that's all we all, we all just want to know we're doing a good job. And any mom knows that when you're trying to do 15 things at once, you will not feel like you're doing a good job at anything. But when you really allow yourself to just do the one thing that you're doing, you can feel like, Hey, I'm doing, I'm doing it. I think moms feel the most pressure to do because there's so much advice and so many different approaches. Yeah. Moms and parents get so pressured to just do it this like certain ways. And it just makes everybody miserable. Oh man, we have covered so many great things. I really just have one more question for you. And that is, how does the magic in everyday life show up for you? For me, the everyday, the magic in everyday life shows up in conversations, which is fun because that's my heart story is about a conversation. But um, like it was my husband's birthday yesterday and we went on a hike and, you know, the whole time we were talking about the kinds of things I love to talk about. I'm like, what has your year been like for you? What have been some of the favorite things you've learned? What are you wanting to do this next year? And kind of thinking about like, how can I support you and wanting you doing what you want to do? And how does God do this? And what does God think about this? And how does God perform in this way? And whatever. And, you know, it just, that's where I feel, that's where I feel the magic is in those conversations and really getting to the heart of it and being like, what's possible for what we can become. And those clarifying conversations is the start of everything. So that's, that's where the magic is for me. Well, there's been tons of magic in this conversation. So thank you so much for being here and spending time with us. How can we find you and connect with you? It's been so fun to be here. Um, ways that you can find me the definitely if you've been interested in what we've been talking about in this conversation you can go to findmyheartstory.com where you can actually find your heart story find your purpose find your mission get the clarity that Kayleen and I have been talking about and that we have and um, you can come over to at Emma underscore Natter on Instagram to hang out 
DM me if you've listened to this episode. I'd love to hear what your thoughts are about it. Yeah. Perfect. Friends, thanks as always for listening. I'd also love to know what resonated from this conversation. So please get all up in Emma and my DMs. I'm on Instagram at Kayleen Elise, and I'm looking forward to hearing from you. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. Visit KayleenElise.com for links and notes from today's episode. Connect with me on Instagram. I'm at Kayleen Elise. Please share this pod with anyone who could use a little extra magic in their everyday life. Stay tuned for the next episode. I'll talk to you then.